This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. Isn't it time you called Red Energy on 131 806? And Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world. You said any chips, and I just said, just drink with the journos. You'll get all the stories you need from them. <laughs> We're supposed to work the other way, Corey. We're supposed to get them off them. Not at all. And, of course, stepping into her job, you can't be Caro. You can't be her. You've just got to be yourself and whatever version, of best version of yourself you can be and do, do whatever job you do the best you can your way. Don't compete. Don't try to be something you're not. I love Mother's Day. It's all about me, as Mum used to say. And even if your mother has passed on, even if your mother is not at the table with you or she lives interstate or something like that, you can still raise your glass and it's always, I find, a really strong, powerful, emotional day for me for reflecting. There used to be press zero for the operator. I don't know what's happened. You don't get the zero option. So what's worse, having that response which is nothing or you are in a queue? I prefer to be in a queue. When I'm in a queue and they say there are 15 calls before you, I feel like crying. Hello to all our potties. Welcome to episode 170 of Don't Shoot the Messenger. I am Corrie Perkin and I am happy to report that my friend and potting colleague Caroline Wilson will be back with us in the next week or two. Caro, we are sending love to you and to Rose and Oscar and to Little Sunday uh, that you you performed admirably in your emergency dash over there when things were pretty touch and go, and we can't wait to have you back, and we look forward to hearing all about Sunday next week. But here again in Caro's absence, off the interchange bench, Anna from the Op Shop. Hello, Anna Barry. Good morning, everyone. It's so nice to see you and have your company. Anna, as usual, we have a full agenda. You have a book. You're going to discuss a fantastic and easy chicken recipe. I've been to the movies and you're grumpy. And our guest today tells me that he has a crush. And our guest is Jake Nile. Drumroll. Award-winning journalist, star of The Real Footy Podcast, which I love. If you're an AFL fan, you'll love Real Footy Podcast. You don't play bridge. You are an ocean swimmer. You're the father of two girls. And you are the age's chief football writer, Jake Nile. Thanks, Corrie. That's a when you describe someone like that, it sounds it sounds I sound a lot more interesting than I actually am. So thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you don't play bridge because your predecessor in the chief footy writer's job does play a lot of bridge. Mm. I hear a lot about naughty behaviour. Remember Anna when Caro told us about I don't think it happened at her is it called a rubber? I have no idea. When somebody became angry with their with someone else and slapped them on the hand and said, you shouldn't do that. No, there's been some terrible bridge behaviour in the past. Exactly. You, you, no, you, you can't play. Touch. I do. I'm a slight player. I like it. I like the learning of it. I find the playing a bit difficult. It's really hard. I, I didn't really get hard. educated in bridge. It's, it's like a language, isn't it? But you it's, play solo. I play solo because my father was a, not only was he a solo sort of evangelist, um, he had a series of rules. Like one was about how you play solo, many a man sleeping in the gutter because he didn't lead two rounds of trumps. <laughs> that was one of his, and he got all these rules, I think from, I don't know where he got them from, but. And you haven't forgotten them and you'll pass them down to your daughters, won't you? Uh, yeah, they actually quite liked it when I got them into, you know, got them into a couple of games they uh, and taught them some of the, some of the rules. 
I think we need a card game. I feel like a card game. Winter's coming. It's a good time. Now, we've got some housekeeping, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Firstly, Catherine on Facebook said, what is the address of the op shop where Anna works? And thank you for a great episode. What is the address? The address is 262 Chapel Street, Paran, opposite the town hall. Right. Thank you very much, everybody. In Paran, that's the Sacred Heart Mission. You'll find Anna there most days. Not every day, but most days. And uh, we had lots of love for the episode last week, Anna, while you were away. Uh, Craig Hutchison and his lovely partner, Claire Wright, stepped into the the spot where you and Jake are sitting. We had a terrific time. So thank you, everybody, for your lovely comments about that. Jeanette Monaghan via email said, Hi, Corrie and Caro. As a fairly recent newcomer to your weekly podcast, just wanted to tell you how much I enjoy it. The content, the interesting guests, the recipes, everything. Thank you. And I have two interesting guests here today, Jeanette. So that's good. I'm glad we're living up to that. And I just wanted to send a special cheerio to Daniel, who was the lovely listener who gave me a Nutribullet because he felt sorry for me after working so hard in the bookshop during lockdown. Daniel, can I tell you that that Nutribullet is seriously getting a workout now that soup season has come? I love. Do you have a Nutribullet, Jake? No. You need one. Do you cook? No. I do, but not very well. Well, a Nutribullet will change your life. And Miss Jane, there is a package in front of you and in front of me. I would like you to open yours first and I might open mine a little <laughs> bit later. Where is this from, Jane? Well, look, inspired by the cocktail cabinet and I think the uh, the effects, of course, for the intro, which always sounds like a vintage, creaky old brass uh, cocktail uh, trolley coming in. It sounds <laughs> like me emptying the dishwasher every morning. <laughs> I'm just so excited. I knew that I'd arranged something for you, which we'll open later in the cocktail cabinet, um, Cory. but Kat from Vintage Collect, which is at Vintage Collect underscore on Instagram, a woman after my own heart uh, curates a selected vintage treasure chest for your home. So we're talking homewares, but she thought we'd like some glasses to go with our Mother's Day uh, cocktail cabinet segment. But oh my word, she sent a little prezi for me. It dare, is a- dare I say in that shade of green, that green vase, it's got Caro's name written all over it. <laughs> but look, hey, while the cat's away... I might have to fight Carrie for this one. Thank you so much, Kat. This is actually, look, I didn't even, Anna, you're the expert here. Is this a cut glass-ish? It's almost a tulip-shaped green it's, it's vintage glass vase. It's absolutely beautiful. It's that depression <laughs> uh, green glass, which oh. is so collectible. My God, this is an episode of um, Antique Roadshow, isn't it? Yes. Well, if look. only. <laughs> so it's vintage collect, all one word, underscore, vintage collect underscore on Instagram account. And Kat Newton, who used to work actually here at when it was Croc Media, gorgeous girl. She has started this up as a little business. How beautifully packaged mm, did gorgeous. your vase. I mean, it was like a Christmas <laughs> oh, present. I can't wait to see mine later. Anyway, I'm a big fan of going secondhand or vintage for Mother's Day because, I don't know, just new stuff don't not quite that. fitting no, in. Except books, Jane. Except books. No, we, we need to buy books at Mother's Day. So we'll talk about Mother's Day a little bit later on. But, Jake, I want to talk about you now because, as we all know, a couple of years ago, you stepped into the very big high heel shoes of Miss Caro at the age. But you had been at the age several years before that, uh, before you went to Fox Footy, and you and Caro a long time, uh, not only colleagues, mm. but friends. I'm interested in how you became a football writer, given that you come from such an academic family. Dr. Hugh Nile, your father, who I interviewed once at the Howard Florey Institute at Melbourne Uni, is one of Australia's most respected 
uh, scientists and academics. And also, I didn't realise he's a classics expert. So he's a full bottle on Greek-Roman history. And your aunt, who I've also had the privilege of meeting, Dr. Brenda Nile, AO, is a biographer, a critic, a writer. She's written those wonderful biographies of Daniel Mannix, Archbishop Mannix, the Boyd family, the Durack sisters. Uh, I'm not going to say what happened, Jake. (laughs) Well, it's... uh, But did did academic life not appeal? No, I wasn't... um as probably quite as studious as um, as my dad or my uh, my aunt Brenda, um, we did grow up with a lot of books in the house, and I think that was a. I, I think I, so I was certainly lucky with both of my parents. My mother um, is a much more gregarious person than my father, and I think that I was more um, interested in things outside. I think there was a bit of a reaction. My parents used to sit around when I was young and talk, she was in medical, you know, in science as well, dad in medical research, mum in that field sort of relates. She's a biochemist at first, became a dietitian later. And they would talk science at the dinner table. Um, and I found, I think it put me off that a little bit. And I was like a lot of people who grew up, I, I fell under the spell of footy and sport, like a lot of boys do. So was that, your, I, was that your entree rather than writing? And being no, I think it was. No, it was actually journalism. I think I was a journo, probably like Caro in that way. Um, it was journalism first, but she, of course, was born into football in a way that very few people are. And whereas I was just someone who just followed the game and loved it. But I think what happened is I went into journalism, as you did, Corrie, and I wasn't sure exactly where I'd end up. And I sort of stumbled into sport and probably liked it. And I think once you're in, it's they, you know, what, what did Al Pacino say in that third Godfather film? I was out and they dragged me back in. Oh, not quite that, but <laughs> but it's sort of once you're in it and you develop contacts and you start to become established in that field, to me there was always possibilities. Like I've often wondered about Caro and what she might have done in another, not football, but in something else because I think her skills were so exceptional in getting people to tell her things. Well, Anna, you would agree with me. I always maintain Carol would have been a fabulous film critic, film reviewer. And I think she actually would have loved to have done that just as much as sport. Yeah. I think I think there would have been some fairly scathing reviews. Nothing wrong <laughs> just, with that. <laughs> just it would have I just she might have few of the directors might have might have found some of her there would have been some withering critiques, I reckon. I think she'd be a match for Margaret Pomerantz any day. Uh, but look yeah, we but, but, we shouldn't shut the door on that idea. Uh, it is still an ambition of mine to find Caro a gig as her personal agent. <laughs> okay. Well <laughs> she writes films. Yeah, but I think I think I think and I and I ended up um you know, at the age and that I was there for over 20 years and then went to do TV at Fox for, for a couple of years, which was a great experience. And Caro was stepping down and I ended up being offered that job. And um, it was also like, you know, and, and of course, stepping into her job, you can't be Caro. You know, she's a larger than life figure, as you know, Corey and Anna. You can't be her. You've just got to be the yourself and whatever version of best version of yourself you can be and do do whatever job you do the best you can your way. Um, don't don't compete. Don't try to be something you're not. Be be whatever you are is always the way of approaching it. And to be honest, we worked together a long time and we were we always did things our own way anyway. So yeah, but um, it's footy in Melbourne, one thing I've found is that the sense that it's a social not just a social lubricant, but a way that people converse with each other. So friends 
the thing I notice as I get older is friends meet each other at the footy now. It's not, I don't even think it's totally about following the fortunes of the team. A lot of it's actually just to see people. And I noticed that in COVID when you couldn't go to the games, how that part of life just sort of shut down. It was, you, you couldn't. So true. Yeah. And, and it was done virtually. It was done through television. So you had all these people texting each other about their teams and about the game and, or, or if they're on a WhatsApp group, communicating in that way that football's like a, um, uh, yeah, like a shared, um, a sense of a, of a, it's called an industry a lot, which I don't like. I've used the word in articles and talking on air. Um, it's a community really. Well, it's interesting you say that about the COVID experience and people now coming back to the game. My son, Will, went with a couple of mates to the Anzac Day Bombers uh, V Pies and he said it was hilarious. They sat down, I think he and two mates, they sat down and there in front of them were three or four women, uh, middle-aged, so that would probably be a bit younger than me, I guess. And he said one of them came down the aisle juggling four glasses and they had their wine and they were ready for a party and they had an absolute ball. At half time they went out to the bar. This is at the MCG, of course, and, and I guess they were in the members and went out to the bar at half time, came back, they made a complete day of it. Whether they made a mess of themselves, I'm not mm. sure. History doesn't relate. But, <laughs> but Will said it was just such a great feeling. And have you been to a big game since, uh, since we've been back? I've, I went to the first Tigers-Blues match, which was big only because the first time we'd been at the G Free Gear, and I could not wipe the smile off my face. I was on my own. Caro was working. Mum couldn't come because she doesn't like to come at night now. Beautiful night. And I was just so happy to be back. And I'm going on Friday night to see the Cats, Tigers. Yeah. I, 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 of course, I was up in Queensland, Corrie. And Anna and I think you with, your, with, your, with your son. I mean, I spent a lot of time, <laughs> spent more time with your son who was doing a lot of the logistics work for the AFL to get media organised, which is like herding cat cats and, you know, journos, get them over here, get them in, get them COVID. You've got to be, we had to be COVID checked at the games and go through all these hoops. And uh, look, it, it was interesting. It was a really surreal experience being the AFL essentially relocating to Queensland the finals being played at the Gabba, one at Metricon Stadium in the Gold Coast. I'm so glad I did it and I was there, but it, it's it's something we, we don't want to see happen again. We do a lot of uh, pondering on the <coughs> excuse me on the impact of last year, Jake, without wishing to bore potties. But I think these there are some things that we have learned from and gained from last year's experience in Melbourne, in particular, of being locked down. And I wondered what impact it had on you, given that. In particular, you and Kath, your missus, you, you know, you've got two girls mm. and they are of school, well, they were school age last yeah, year. Yeah, one you was doing, one year, doing 12. year 12. Yeah. Yep. So what impact did that have on you? How did you get through it as a family? And can you see any good that any of your unit have learned through last uh, year? Oh, I, I think- Any positives, I mean. Yeah, look, it wasn't great because particularly for my eldest girl, Sadie, she coped very well, but it just wasn't a great year to do VCE. And she got through it, and she did fine. And uh, they miss all the rituals, don't yeah, they? Yeah, no, it's more that school. Yeah, it's more that you don't have a social at school in the same way. You don't have, um, you don't get to see your friends. I mean, I think it's the isolation that it created, and it's sort of if one thing came out of it that I think for everyone, it's that we were going into an era through the technology that's evolved of people living on their mobile phones, 
And so mobile phones are now extensions of our almost of our of our being. We're almost people with a mobile phone now. And that we live through each, to each other and communicate through these devices, these little devices that Steve Jobs made so big around the world, and Samsung, I suppose. That what we've got now is during that period where we had COVID, it reminded you you actually have to see people, and physically seeing people and being being able to go to a game of football live, not watch it on television, being able to see a friend in person. That's where the real craving was, yeah, and that's well, what and people I, missed. So I think you, 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 it recalibrates that when you're out of that, you really. My desire was to really see people, and, I, and when I was in Queensland, the difference between Queensland and Victoria at that time. So this is September one. I got on the last plane out of you know it was like as I said at the time it was like um, the American Embassy, you know, in, in Saigon. Vietnam. I was like I was lifting off to go to uh, Queensland to get up to the uh, to the AFL in a hub with. Gillan McLaughlin, Gary Ablett, Eddie McGuire, Brendan Gale, um, Shane Edwards from Richmond, uh, Dan Hanabry. Um, well, it was I think a really Will, interesting and a lot of journals. I think Will was on that flight too. I think he was, yeah. yeah. He texted and so, me and he said, any, any chips? And I just said, just drink with the journos. You'll get all the stories you need from them. <laughs> we're, not, we're supposed to work the other way, Corey. We're supposed to get them off them. Not at all. But, but we're, yeah, and we're having uh, this social thing where we would have uh, – we would have it. Uh, we were in this quarantine for two weeks with, you know, it was there was probably a bit of Stockholm syndrome about close to four hundred people being in this uh, place on the Gold Coast where we couldn't leave the premise, but we could walk around, jog around, go for a drink, but we had to have this complicated thing. You had to have a mask if you were not eating or drinking. So everyone always had a glass in their hand, you know. And they had Queensland government inspections going on. So they'd come through and look and say, hang on, those people are too close together or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, but, it, but the it difference works, between... But, it but it worked. But the difference between... We're only there two weeks and then Pete Ryan and myself, who you, I don't know if you know Pete. It's, oh, I used actually, to work with Peter on the footy yeah, record. Yeah, you would have through the... through. Various connections, including Jeff's, including Jeff Slattery. <laughs> I used to be his boss. You're his boss. Well, yeah. there you go. Lovely fellow. And he took Pete instructions I, very well. Pete and I went to the Gold Coast and we lived at Surfers right near Anna where Sydney Stack and- um, The Kebab Bar. We were staying at the Hilton, so we were right across the road from the Kebab Zone and the, and the strip club that the players <laughs> frequented. The two Richmond players, Coleman Jones and Sydney Stack, got caught at. Um, What's well, good, but you were on the spot, Jake. Did we you right run down with your little notepad? And well, it was it was after the event. It was well after the event. We covered that from we actually covered that story from uh, from the quarantine. So we were in the quarantine with the AFL people. So it wasn't all that hard to find out what was going on. Because the funny story that um, Glenn McLaughlin's told was that I was on a jog that morning. It happened at the end of a jog, and I'm at the bottom of an oval, kind of an oval area with grass, where Gillen was in a meeting with Brendan Gale, the Richmond chief executive, and Andrew Dillon, the head legal counsel. And, you know, he's got he's one of the senior people. And they're having this little huddle. Did you think something was happening well, there, I did, Jake? My did you yeah, sort I did. of I sort antennae of over and I? I <laughs> well, they, they were just, but they were just, they were just talking. When I went over, I got this sense that they were not that keen to talk to me. They were very I sort of, quiet. I, I sort of, and I was going to ring, and by the time I'd, um, I wasn't, Right onto it, I was because because it wasn't totally unusual that they would be talking, but there was a little bit of a hint that something was sus. And but by the time um, I was going to see them that morning, probably late morning, by that time it was out that these guys had been done, and they were actually meeting to discuss 
what had happened with Sydney Stack, but I was on the end of his chalk and sweating. And, you know, they were like, oh, hi, Jake. And yeah, sort of go away, Jake. Go, basically, go away. <laughs> Jake, it's interesting you mentioned that. I'll, I'll never forget, as long as I live, Anna uh, making a comment. It might have been on the podcast, Anna, or possibly even when we were walking, because we did a lot of walking together during COVID and lockdown. And you made a comment about how you just wanted to stop walking when you were talking and sit down with a friend and look at them eye to eye. Do you remember saying that? Oh, totally. And as much as you said, you know, Queensland was different, Melbourne was just, you just felt so isolated and you never, you couldn't actually have a proper catch up with someone because you're always jiggling around with the dog, with the coffee. You had to keep moving. It was awful. I really, um, I found that really annoying. Speaking of Queensland, Jake, Anna has just come back from a mini break. Uh, how was it? To, to Noosa. 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 Uh, no, it was fantastic. I had not been for 25 years. So it, to, to Noosa? Yes. I've been once in is my it, life. Is it still part of Melbourne or is it? <laughs> no. Do you know what? I'm here to tell you it's fabulous. If you don't go on school holidays, it's Queensland. The National Park is beautiful. Little Cove was fabulous. And also, we only went for five days. So it was a really quick mini break but fantastic. So it gets me on to the thinking about mini breaks and holidays, Jake and Anna, and what they actually mean and what are our perceptions of having time off. And I don't know about you guys, but I seem to have spent a lot of the last 20 years in particular, since the kids have been a bit older, saving. So next year or the year after, perhaps I could go overseas, go somewhere Mm. internationally. And that's just gone now. It's kind of a relief in a funny sort of way that you don't have to, you haven't got this pressure. But what does it look like to you guys, at a holiday or a mini break? And where do you go? And in particular, Jake, with your kids still under your wing. So, well, sort of. Well, the still, one, I the imagine they're one, still wanting to holiday with well, you, are they? The eldest one's actually um, saving up and working a couple of jobs, deferred from uni, and is going with a couple of her girlfriends around the country getting a van and they're going to take off and drive around Australia. Fantastic. That's their plan. That's that's their year out because last year was, you know, not great in terms of, um, you know, it was a pretty pretty bleak year for a lot of, for her and her school friends. So what they, a great idea. So they're going to do that. They're going to get out and get the, one of them's already bought a van and off off Sadie goes with her, a couple of her friends. It's, it's, I wonder how many other people are doing that sort of thing. Post, this is. Are we post COVID? I don't think we're post. We're sort of in transition. We're we're, we're post those serious lockdowns. I suspect. Well, I don't I think we'll so. ever be locked down for another three months. And we know? can travel. I think the whole world is on the road. My sister's on a road trip. She said she couldn't get a flag in between Canberra and Melbourne. It was just every no room at the inn, everywhere booked out. Really? So I reckon everyone's doing mini breaks. And don't you think now, instead of thinking I'm a month overseas, you're thinking I'm going to go to Hobart. I'm doing a bit of Noosa. I'm, I mean, I would never have thought five days would be enough for a relaxing holiday, but it is. You just have to make it work. I mean, I don't want to go to the West and my husband wants to get a camper van like your Sadie. I will not be in the camper van and I will not be going to Phillip Island. I'm up for anything else other than that. What's wrong with Phillip Island? Do- doesn't do it for me. Okay. I like Phillip Island. Like do you? No, not for me. I think, I think also the mountains, and I, it's something I haven't done for years, but I'm now a little bit interested in the idea, just in my mind, of, of getting out, 
you know, getting up a mountain or something and, well, and being a bit of, being in nature in a way. I've always been more beachy. My brother Steve has just done that. He he is a grey nomad with uh, my <laughs> sister in law, and they have a van and they camp. They've been camping for years, for years and years and years. But they've actually taken the opportunity to just do Victoria at the moment. I think probably they've been a bit nervous in recent months about sudden state closures, so they're a bit worried mm. about that. But they have just come back from doing all of the the, the highland country around, um, I guess, Hotham area and into the King Valley and Bright and Whit- Whitfield and all of that sort of area. And they've just had an absolute ball finding beautiful camping spots. The weather last week was great, so they've had a really good time. I don't think I'll be joining them in the camper van. No. He keeps asking me, do you want to come along? I'm not sure where. Maybe I said, you've got a king-size bed with fluffy pillows. <laughs> Maybe just for, a, you know, a couple of nights and then you go off on your own and get into the I flag in or right. the old-fashioned pub. But I just think there's so much. Now we're looking at Australia, just thinking, where can we go? What? My sister's just been in Canberra. She said, most fabulous three days. It was, you know, beautiful Japanese restaurant. Just She's just said everything was fantastic. We've got to just get amongst it. So well, we- even Brisbane. I mean, I was in Brisbane. I was in mainly on Gold Coast during the lockdown. And jury, sorry, at the end of the AFL season, so all of September and most of nearly all of October. And I went a couple of times to the old Valley Pool. I had to go up to Brisbane, and there was one because it's brilliant weather up there. So at night, I swam. This is where Tracy Wickham and all these famous swimmers. And it's like the Fitzroy. It's right on the city. It's even closer to the CBD than the Fitzroy Pool. It's right on top of the city. It's like being in Carlton or that part of Carlton that's almost the city. It's like being there. It's got this beautiful view of the sky and the Brisbane, the Brisbane CBD skyline in the background, and you're swimming in this historic old pool. And it was like, it was fantastic. You know, I, I sort of thought, and it's a kind of a sort of a hipsterish sort of suburb. You go for a nice. Oh, you would have looked right at home there. I, I well, I'm not sure I looked right at home in my speedos among all these much fitter people. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, but you can do that. And one thing we do, Corrie, every year, there's a group of current and ex-age sport, admittedly all um, middle-aged white males, including Craig Palm. Um, and some of these, a lot of these guys have now left, Peter Hanlon, Martin Flanagan. We go to Martin's um, beach shack, as he calls it, on the east coast of Tasmania, oh, at, uh, right near Swansea. It's a place called Dolphin Sands. And there's eight of us, basically, and the numbers vary. Sometimes some people can come, some people can't. Oh, God, can you imagine? And we do this every year. It's every year. And we did it last year. It It was early March. It was just before the lockdown. We got in just before. And this year we came just after when there was a little, there was the period around the tennis, remember, where things were vexed. And we went, we managed to get this trip in either side of... COVID sort of lockdowns. It was quite interesting. That's what I mean. I think we've just got to grab it and say, I've got five days. I'm going to go to Dolphin Sands or, you know, wherever. I mean, it sounds beautiful. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, look, I have... I Where have, are you going, well, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the people at Port Ferry, I've, we've cancelled four times or we've had to postpone Port Ferry four times. But So that's on the agenda this year, Jake. Just a, just a stab in the dark. Is that Annie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no we, we're renting a place on the river, actually, and they've been very kind, the people there, in allowing us just to continue. They, we've said, look, keep the money. We didn't ask for a refund. But they've been very kind in saying, look, we'll just keep 
keep, you know, whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready. But the first uh, the first flight out for me is a wedding at Byron Bay in, in uh, June. So I'm so excited. I think I've already packed my case about four times in my head. I have nine. Not, not one of the Hemsworth family. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be one of those. Yes. And I'll be, I'll be Instagramming about it. Um, guys, we've got so much to get through, but it was so lovely to hear um, your thoughts about an interesting year last year, Jake. And I do wish Sadie all the best in her tour around Australia. First of all, the money earning, that's always quite um, challenging at this time. Um, and also your daughter, who I imagine is year, the other one is in year, year 11. 11. Yeah. Yep. So all the best to her. Um, right now, though, guys, entering with her little trolley, Miss Jane is coming along with the cocktail cabinet. And here we are with the cocktail cabinet and Miles Thompson has joined us from Prince Wine Store and this segment, of course, is brought to us by our friends at Prince Wine Store, bringing Melburnians the greatest wine in the world and you can check out their website, princewinestore.com.au. Hello, Miles. Welcome to the cocktail cabinet again. Thank you. Nice to have you in person. And nice you've to be met here. Jake, who, um, who, do you drink, Jake? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I found out everything else, like you don't play bridge and you do ocean swim, but I didn't ask you whether you drank alcohol. I had a feeling you might. And Anna, of course, as she told us last time, doesn't drink Pinot Noir, but loves white wine. Definitely. Hi, Miles. And today we are looking at toward Sunday and Mother's Day, and in particular Mother's Day lunch. And just before we hear what your recommendations are, Miles, I wanted to open up my gift from the beautiful vintage website, uh, sorry, Instagram account. And in this are the most magnificent champagne glasses or just wine glasses. You could do either. Do you approve of these? Yeah, they look great. I know it's a gift. Really nice. Anyway, I'm very thank you, Cash, and um, we uh, we hope everybody jumps on your um, Instagram account and goes shopping. Now, what have you got for us, Miles? So I have two sparkling wines, two Aussie sparkling wines. So one from the Yarra Valley, Dominic Portet, which is a sparkling rosé brut, and I also have the Kreglinger uh, NV brut as well from Tasmania. How do I so, spell the second one? Craiglin at uh, K-R-E-G-L-I-N-E-R. Ah, okay. So, so they're part of Piper's Brook and Ninth Island, quite, quite a big sort of set of wineries. And Dominic Porte, of course, is in the Yarra Valley. And so they would be two quite different tasting. Yeah, they, they are. So one's the, the, port, the Porte is a, a rosé. Um, and they're really sort of, I mean, they're really famous, particularly for their Cabernet and, and their Shiraz and their, their Chardonnay, but they've always been really sort of well known for this particular sparkling rosé. So it's a kind of got this really lovely blush pink color and these really soft kind of spicy red fruits. It's just, it's just real. it's just such an easy sort of drinking. I, I love this wine. We, we constantly stock it at, at the store and we often sort of struggle to keep it in stock because the people who know, me. know. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm a big fan of this. Even though, Anna, you and I said a couple of weeks ago we're not rosé fans, I do love this sparkling. If it's sparkling, I'm interested, <laughs> to be honest. It's really great. And and Dominique put it himself, so the the, uh, the father or the grandfather who sort of established it, he, that he sort of made sparkling. He was one of the sort of 
I guess, uh, important figures when it came to sparkling in the Yarra Valley in particular. So they really know what they're doing as far as that's concerned. They, you know, it's done in the bottle like, you, like they do in champagne. So really sort of top quality stuff. And tell us about the Craig, Craigliner. Is that Craigliner, take- yeah. yeah. So initially this just used to be a vintage brute. So they only did vintage. So every year all the, all the grapes from the same vintage. But they just recently started, the last few years, they started doing a, a non-vintage, which is a blend of multiple vintages. And that gives it this extra sort of toasty, rich sort of character, which is what you see in champagne. So they have these things called reserve wines. So these wines that they hold back, they blend it all together. But for for me, for the money, I think it's one of the best Aussie sparklings around. It's just, you know, just so sort of complex and rich. And, and it's only, I think, $29. And it's just really sort of punches above its weight. It's just a really, really sort of top-notch sparkle. And what's the price on the Dominique Porte? Dominique Porte is 35 a bottle. And do we have a special deal? And then for the listeners here, you get 10% off. Uh, use the code M-E-S-S when you go to the Prince Wine Store website. Just put it into your uh, when you go through the cart system and uh, that'll take 10% off anything that's in your cart. Well, there you are, Jake. There's Kath's Mother's Day gift. <laughs> You've done and dusted. Well, I think of my mother actually first. So. <laughs> do you like a sparkling? No, I'm, I'm pretty keen to know about a Pinot Noir that... Uh, that might work. Jake, you should have been listening two weeks ago. Yeah, we've done lots of lots of pinots. <laughs> Which one would you recommend for Jake for Mother's Day? Lunch? Oh, there's there's so many. I, it's so, we're we're really lucky here in Victoria. You know, we have the Yarra Valley, Yarra Valley, Mornington, all these sort of great areas. I think one, and I put that I put it in a box for you, Corey, is the um, uh, Dirty Three All the Dirts Pinot Noir from Gippsland. So out sort of Balnarring sort of peninsula, so sort of east of Mornington. So you see, since uh, Jake, since we have established our relationship with Prince and they kindly are supporting, uh, with Red Energy, supporting our podcast, I now have my own personal shopper. Okay. Well, shoppers actually. Shoppers, I was about Gab, to say. Gab often comes in, <laughs> chimes in with a good suggestion too. She's um, great. She, and she knows um, her stuff. It's quite fun actually because I'll just put it out there, this is what I'm after. And in fact, I think in this box that Miles has bought, I see it home delivered as well to the studio. <laughs> but I've also asked for a Suave. I think we were going Several. to do Yeah, I have. Well, no, Miles. Several options. <laughs> yeah. Please don't paint me as an alcoholic. Honestly, this will be drunk over a period of three years, listeners, but we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks too, which yeah, I'm fantastic. really looking forward to. Lots yeah. of good stuff at the moment. So, See, I'm putting it down as research. Where, 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 too. The, where do the best rosés come from, Miles? Well, so the most famous produce, rosé producing region is Provence in the south of France. Um, and that's where the real sort of classic, what they talk about, there's really sort of pale or those onion skin, salmon skin sort of colour rosés that you sort of, that, that's, that's where it's the most famous region. But there's, there's some other, we, we make some really fantastic rosés at the moment. And we're really sort of emulating that dry style that you see out of Provence now, but Provence is definitely... And the, what, geographically in Australia, where's the primo? Well, it's for us, it's a little less important. It just depends. It, just different producers make rosé, so it doesn't, doesn't really matter for us so much. We're quite happy to make rosé out of whatever we, whatever we want, so we kind of make it wherever we want. All delicious. Mm. Although Anna and I have a pro- have, we we have a bit of a stumbling block with rosé. However, we are prepared to keep an open mind, aren't we, Anna? Absolutely. Yes. Well, I, th- I think like now. Feel, feel free to nurture our interest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think maybe previously in Australia they used to be a bit fruity and sweet and maybe not so good. And now that we're trying to make those 
you know, sort of Provence-style rosés. They're much drier, lovely sort of texture. I think it's a really different ball game now. So definitely, we, we do a huge rosé event in uh, at the store in, I think, November normally. So that's, right. there's about 60 rosés. So we might have to do come down to po- that podcast. What do you think, Adam? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. And, I mean, perfect. If, it, if they're drier, perfect for lunch. Yeah. But I've just found sometimes it's probably my fault that I've drunken too much. It's very sweet. Very sweet, and It's yeah. a horrible headache the next yeah. day. We're prepared to be converted. All right. Um, Miles, thank you very much for coming in. So there there are the two sparkling suggestions, the Dominic Portet and the Kreglinger from the Piper's Brook region in Tassie. To our listeners, there is the special deal. Thank you, Prince Wine Store, for that offer. If you jump onto princewinestore.com.au and you um, put in the code M-E-S-S, as in Messenger, you will receive a 10% discount. And can I honestly tell you, they have such a wonderful and interesting and diverse range at Prince Wine Store. Thanks, Miles, for coming in. Thank you. And I just wanted to thank Kat Newton as well from Vintage Collect for providing me with these really beautiful glasses. I can't wait to try some of Miles's wine. Now, guys, we are on to Crush of the Week, Anna and Jake. And Jake, I think you have a crush. Yeah, a little bit more than just of the week. It was just from a little while ago. I was able to go and see a film, which was the uh, A Promising Young Woman. I thought that Kerry Mulligan's performance in that was startlingly good and I wasn't that familiar. I'd seen her in a couple of things, but I wasn't that familiar with her talents as an actress, an English actress. I think with her, obviously with that name, there'd be a bit of Irish background before that. She played an American. I, I don't want to give away. Well, I guess we can give away the plot. I mean, it's it's in it's heavily in that Me Too. Have you seen it, Corey? No, I haven't. But Caro has reviewed it here. So, but she didn't give in, any ending away. Yeah. She says it's violence against women. Yeah, but it's it's quite it's interesting that she was nominated for the Academy Award. The Academy Award went to Frances McDormand in Nomadland, which a lot of people I saw. I found that film, she was terrific, but I found it a bit bleak. But the Kerry Mulligan performance and the range of things she does in the role is remarkable. And so I thought that it was also very much in the zeitgeist. So if you sort of look at what's happened with the whole um, violence against women in Australia, I think it was just interesting or the, the stuff up in Canberra with Brittany Higgins and so forth, that all, I saw that film just as that was um, happening. And it was, uh, it, 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 it had a, you know, it had a very, I'd be interested in all the young women who'd be going to see this film. Have you seen it, Anna? I have, and I absolutely loved it. And I couldn't agree more with what you said. I thought she was robbed at the Oscars, first and foremost. And her back catalogue of films, she's in a film called An Education. Yeah. I don't know she if She was nominated that. for that as well. And that was just and brilliant. And The Dig that came out over COVID She was times, in The Dig, the Netflix, Netflix film. Yep. She's just, her range is incredible. And the thing with a, a Promising Young Woman is when you saw the shorts, you thought, you're going to be ramming me to her down my throat. And yet she didn't. No, but it there was w- clever. It was. Really su- it had surprises. Yeah. There's twists in the story, and there's also she is not just one thing either. No. Mm. So she's. And, she's that, and that's a clever actress who can pull that. Yeah. Off. She there was a there was a diversity of, within the role. It was a diverse role. The character was was not simple. It was complicated, and I think she she did that very well. So that was my. Uh, that's my, a crush, that's almost a crush, almost yeah. doubling as a screen. Gosh, you're worth your weight in gold, Jake. Oh, well, Two for one. I had a lovely little <laughs> one. A mini crush, a mini crush on a writer who writes essays called Fintan O'Toole. I don't know if you've read his stuff. No, I haven't. An Irish writer. He's written some stuff 
in the New York Review of Books about both Trump and Biden, if anyone can read it, the stuff he wrote about Trump first and then Joe Biden, it's the best stuff I've read about. Well, you can easily get New York Review of Books on a, I think it has its own app now. Yeah, now I'm I'm getting, I, I... Although I still prefer the actual hard hard copy, me too. Yep. I can't bear reading book reviews on on screen. Um, now, thank you. That was Crush of the Week, Red Energy. Thank you very much for supporting our podcast. Most satisfied customers, eleven years in a row. And Anna, we're on to BSF, and you're going to kick us off with a book, a non-fiction book, which has been a huge bestseller over the last six months since it appeared on our bookshelves. Oh, it's a fantastic book. I, I absolutely loved it. It's a biography from the best-selling British author, historian and columnist for The Times, Ben McIntyre, and it's called Agent Sonia, Lover, Mother, Soldier, Spy. This is an incredible true story behind one of the greatest female spies in history, of which I knew nothing, embarrassingly enough. Anyway, Sonia Burton was a devoted wife and mother of three, and she passed herself off as an English housewife in rural Oxfordshire during the 1940s. But in real life, she was a German Jew, a dedicated communist, a colonel in the Russian army, and a highly trained spy who transmitted nuclear intelligence to Soviet headquarters via a radio transmitter hidden in her outside dunny at home. First of all, she got intelligence from a nuclear physicist called Klaus Fuchs, which enabled the Soviet Union to build an atomic bomb, which was successfully tested in 1949. So she was pivotal in spying for the Soviet Union. Who knew? It really is an extraordinary story. Sonia, which is her Russian codename meaning Dormouse in Russian, also planned an assassination attempt on Hitler in Switzerland and spied on the Japanese in Manchuria. So she was all over the place. But the author... Gosh, she must have found life in the Cotswolds a bit quiet after all that. Although she was, you know, doing secret, you know, transmissions (laughs) from the dunny. So I think she was probably pretty happy that... um, you know, MI5 went on to her. But the author, um, who had access to Sonia's diaries, photographs and correspondence on her clandestine activities, has, it's a, has written a fast-paced, page-turning thriller. And it, she, he really brings Sonia to life. It's fabulous. I haven't quite finished it, so I don't quite know the ending, but really incredible story. He is a, Ben McIntyre is a terrific, not only journalist, but a writer of this genre. He... he Wrote one a couple of years ago, which is one of my favourite nonfiction books called A Spy Among Friends. And Jake, that was about the Kim, Kim Philby, how mm. he infiltrated over 20 or 30 years, not only the secret services, but friendship groups, a wife who didn't know what he did. It's an incredible story. And then the uncovering of, of when, when suddenly his friends in MI5 and MI6 discover or start to wonder whether he is in fact a spy and start to put together all of this evidence, their shock, their sense of betrayal. This is a chap that they would have drinks with at the club every week. Oh, Did you get a sense from that book of, of Philby's motivations? I've always found him interesting and in that he seems like he was also a recruiter within that Cambridge sort of set that he got others in. I think... Because they always bracketed with Burgess, McLean, yeah. Philby, so... He, he? he was definitely the powerhouse. There's no doubt about that. I think he was. I think he started from a from quite a, 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 um, a, a moral stand. I think he was. He did believe in communist ideals and, at university, yeah. and then 
Yes, he did. From and the Spanish Civil War? Because it seems like a lot of the British, the people who jumped into the communism were when Franco was fighting the, uh, you know, the, I guess the socialists or whatever group you want to call them, the partisans, I think was the term, wasn't it? A lot of British people were influenced, a lot of English communists were influenced by the Spanish Civil War. It is an extraordinary period of time, isn't it, how many young men were so easily influenced. Uh, So, look, I think Ben McIntyre is great, Anna. That is such a good um, recommendation. And I'm going on to screen now a film I saw a few days ago, Supernova. Supernova is, um, it's directed by, he's an actor as well, Harry McQueen. And he's quite young, Harry. He looks like he's in his 30s from his photographs. Um, This is his second feature film. He's written and directed it. What an amazing young talent he is. The film stars Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. And it's a boy's road trip of a very different and poignant kind of road trip. The film starts with life partners Sam and Tusker. And they're leaving Melbourne. Uh, sorry, leaving London. <laughs> leaving London. I wish Melbourne. I'd love to meet. I'd love to run into both of those chaps. They're leaving London in their little camper van, and they're hitting the British countryside. And the purpose of their trip is not entirely obvious at the beginning. But as we weave our way north through the beautiful British countryside, and we end up in the magnificent Lakes District of Cumbria, we learn that the couple are to visit Sam's sister and her family, Sam being played by Colin Firth, and there is a party that's organised. And then after this, Sam, who is also a composer and a pianist of great note, he is going to perform at a recital. Tusker, who is a novel writer played by Stanley Tucci, has bought all of his writing gear. He's ready to sort of work on his next novel. There's lots of driving and camping scenes and beautiful landscapes, but the spectre of Tusker's dementia diagnosis looms large. And here is a couple in a most terrible crisis. This is probably Tusker's final road trip, they both realise, and the dementia is already starting to take hold. And in fact, as the film evolves, as Sam learns more and more how, how, how deeply this is affecting Tusker and how clever Tusker is at hiding his dementia and his forgetfulness, there's this sudden realisation that pretty soon Tusker is going to become a person that neither of them recognise. The performances by Firth and Tucci are amazing. They are good friends in real life and it's they're, they're both utterly superb. They pair it right back. It's nuanced. And as the famous movie critic Roger Ebert said, they're both phenomenal, phenomenal in the movie, finding so many grace notes that elevate a story that could have been maudlin into something that feels truly empathetic. And he says the film ranks among the career best work for both actors. There are a couple of, for me, a couple of weaker moments in the writing, in the dialogue, but because so much of this film is quiet, it's actually the acting that comes to the fore. And can I just say that it is a superb movie, but if it is an ageing story, it's a love story, it's a story of illness and its impact on family and friends, and I do recommend it, although if you are going through a similar experience in your own family life at the moment... I would just tread gently on that one. And maybe now is not the time to see the film. Maybe it is. I don't know. That's your choice. But what a great film. Supernova. Is, is there any uplift in this? Because I, I, uh, you've described it. I read, read. I saw, I went into the West Garth, which is near where I live, and I saw it up on the wall and I read it and I thought, oh, mm. that looks really good. But The uplifting thing depressing. is that... It's a bit depressing. T- Tusker, Tusker is the... 
the you can see, it, and there are still signs of it, smart, almost Woody Allen-esque with his dialogue, great raconteur, so popular at this particular party. Everybody's loved him for years. He was obviously the smart, suave New Yorker who came over to London and fell in love with the Colin Firth character, Sam. And Sam is more reclusive, and you can see just through the, just through his acting, really, that the Colin Firth Sam, probably as a young boy, was a bit of a nerd, playing the piano, you know, studied hard, conservatorium, uh, gay, suddenly realises that the man of his dreams is the novelist that he meets. We're never quite sure where they actually met. How does Colin Firth do gay? Because you always think of him as Mr. Darcy in many people's <laughs> well, minds. Well, no, he was. He, no. he's played a couple of gay characters, actually. In one of the spy films, He uh, not the spy film, no, the wonderful one where he took his own life. Was it, you know, when he was in Dressed by Tom Tom Ford? Ford. That was an incredible film. film? And did it have Juliet? um, Yeah, Juliet. You know, with the red hair. Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore in it. What was that film? I didn't see that. Anyway, I'll think of it a second. No, I I I know the one you mean. Corey, it sounds pretty depressing. A little bit like The Father. Could be good, but. Oh, no, I really recommend it because the dialogue is snappy. It is really terrific. So highly recommend Supernova. And Anna, you have a recipe. We will put the recipe on the show notes, everyone, but just give us an overview. This recipe is fabulous. A friend cooked it at Noosa and I've completely um, got hold of it and already given it a crack. It's a one-pan chicken and halloumi bake with honey and lemon. Um, It's the ultimate shove in a pan and call dinner done meal. It's quick, it's easy, and if you add a decent lug of honey to the marinade, this the sugars and the honey help brown the top of the chicken so you don't have to pre-fry first. Anyway, all the ingredients are on the show notes, but it is, you just get the baking tray. It's The recipe says chicken Marylands. I'm not such a Maryland person. So I went so the chicken chops. Oh. I went the chicken chop because I still got the bone so you get the flavour. Mary La- but anyway, it's an inexpensive cut of meat. And it sounds quite Middle Eastern inspired? No. No. no I, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's halloumi, it's three lemons halved, it's a head of garlic, you know, halved horizontally, and it's rosemary. So it's pretty basic. And then the marinade is oregano, honey and olive oil. You just put it all in the tray, mix the marinade, pour it over, cook it for about 40 minutes, but watch the halloumi because that can bubble and go a bit darker. I actually put the halloumi in a little bit later. Cook it for 40, 45 minutes. It's completely divine. Wait till you get some pan juices. And I just served it with a green salad, hot breadstick. And, you know, you could do spuds if you could be bothered, but it's really bloody beautiful. Jake's taking notes so he can serve it to his mum with the Dominic Porte, aren't you? I like the sounds of the... The halloumi. No, the, you wouldn't think chicken and cheese. When I when Fiona first said this recipe, I was a bit, oh, I don't think so. It really works. It just gives it enough saltiness, which sort of counteracts with the honey and olive oil dressing. No, it's really I could eat beautiful. an entire halloumi on my own, Yeah, cooked properly. And well, this Not good you, for you. You just cut it, you know, cut off bits and yeah. put it around. It, It's just chunky. It's sort of rustic. It's easy. And it actually could be perfect for Mother's Day lunch. And how much rosemary do you, do you, oh, do you it whack was, in there? It just said two to three sprigs. But I just, you know how you just chop off a bit from your rosemary bush and just full foot round. It's easy. Um, love that recipe. And I will be cooking that very soon, Anna. I love a one pan stop shop kind of thing. That works for me. Thank you. And thank you to Red Energy. You can call Red Energy on 131 for Real Aussie Energy and the Melbourne-based team will 
help you out. Just say, Corrie and Caro sent you. Okay, Annie, you're grumpy today. Look, it's a weird grumpy today, but I'm grumpy about automated telephones and the loss of human voice on the other end of the phone when you ring up. I don't know if you guys are the same, but you ring a company, you ring a bank, your local council, the MCC or some government department, and I want to talk to someone. I can't bear that I get eight options of nothing that I – it's completely re- – And by the time you get to the eighth option, you've forgotten what the, which one well, you actually have to press, yeah. so you have to go back to the beginning. And often they're completely irrelevant. There used to be press zero for the operator. I don't know what's happened. You don't get the zero option. So the other day I thought – Something's wrong with my rates. They can't be this sky high. I've got to investigate. I ring the local council. Can't get on to anyone. Send them an email. No one rings me back. Then I want to ask the MCC something. I ring. Can't, you know, every other department but what I want. I send them an email. No one emails me back. I so, mean, what, so what's worse, having that response which is nothing or you are in a queue? I prefer to be in a queue. When I'm in a queue and they say there are 15 calls before you, I feel like crying. But at least you're in the queue. Like you never, you never solve why your rates are sky high. I still haven't paid them. You got to be in the queue, put it on hold on speaker, and then do some other task with the phone in another where you can hear. And by the time they get back to you, 55 minutes later, you know, I did that with Telstra. You actually do do your job. Write a story in the time. I filed a story (laughs) once while I was on hold. Put the washing on the line. But I still say a lot of places have just, like, the operator's gone. I mean, doesn't anyone employ a phone person or a receptionist? I agree. I agree. And dare I'm I grumpy say, and I'm Dare cross. I say, Jake, a couple of years ago, I had a really hot news tip for your newspaper. Thinking Didn't ring of, me. Thinking, of course. Well, she probably oh, I, tried I, to. You know, I knew everybody at the age back in the day, one of those. So I'll just ring the news desk and tell them, and if, they, if I say it's Corrie, they'll go, oh, this must be good. You can't get to the news desk yeah. to say, there's a building on fire. <laughs> the world's What's about to that? explode. I don't get it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sharing your grumpy. No, I'm, I'm sharing your grumpy, Anna. Now we're on to six quick questions. Uh, Jake, you'll be asking Anna and myself a question too in, yep. in a little while. Um, but my question, my first question is to you, Jake, and I do not know the answer to this. What team do you barrack for and why? Oh, God. Um, Collingwood, uh, a combination of, uh, of localism. I was living at when I was at primary school in Clifton Hill within walking distance of the ground of Victoria Park. You know, 300 kids at plus at the primary school, I reckon 250 would have been Collingwood supporters, <laughs> most of them Greek. From Greek backgrounds <laughs> and look, and the next door neighbour, and there was also a family friend who. There's always a bit of peer pressure. Yeah, there was also a family friend who took who us do. to the ground, took us down to the game, and the whole family ended up as Collingwood supporters, which uh, which has been a bit of a, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's been good. They are a gift though to media, Collingwood Football Club. They are a phenomenon in terms of the ability to generate headlines. <laughs> And um, none, ne- never more evident than this year. So, That's so true. <laughs> so true. Oh, sorry. Now, Corrie, are you a fan of Mother's Day and do you celebrate the event? Yes, I have inherited this from my mother who used to love Mother's Day, Anna. I love Mother's Day. It's all about me, as mum used to say. Uh, it's a great opportunity for the family to get together and as your families grow, so do the mothers in your family. We have a new one this year in Little Lib. And um, I, I just love it. I think it's – and even if your mother has passed on, even if your mother is not at the table with you or she lives interstate or something like that, you can still raise your glass and it's 
always I find a really strong, powerful, emotional day for me for reflecting. So I love Mother's Day. Love it, love it, love it. Um, so... Okay, to Corrie and Anna, I want you to tell me, and this is an area of great ignorance for me, tell me about winter fashions of 2021 and what is the colour of the season? Brown. Brown. A horrible shade of brown. A ghastly shade of brown, and in a, fact. A, I'm obsessed. And a Miss, Miss Jane's fainted. <laughs> no, I know, Jane. And it's not the lovely chocolate brown that perhaps you could wear with pale pink or, you know, shades of turquoise. It's a horrible sort of baby poo brown. I've investigated it. It's terrible. It's everywhere. It's even at Noosa. And it's certainly not for blondes. So I'm I'm still rocking the navy blue from last year. There's also, have you noticed, there's a bit of purple creeping in. I have a theory about purple, really. It, it, uh, once you turn 11 or 12, you shouldn't wear purple. Terrible. Especially With a few exceptions. Women over a certain age, no purple. <laughs> Aren't you glad you are? Look, Jake is, Jake's taking notes on this one. <laughs> um, Anna, any special op shop events coming up? Thank you for asking, Corrie. There certainly is. On Saturday, May the 29th at our Commercial Road store, which is 110 Commercial Road Paran, just up from Eckersley's, we've got our winter and vintage clothing sale featuring designer clothes, shoes and accessories. So get along, get yourself kitted out for No winter. brown there, Anna. And heads up, no horrid new season brown. I'm still reeling from the brown revelation. Brown's really bad. Now... I think it's me. Jake, are you watching MasterChef? And if not, why not? The answer, short answer is no, I'm not. And oh. I, 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 I Anna, sort of, we'll have to kick him off the why? program. I, I, I think I'm not watching enough television, oh. I think is Man the answer. Up, I think the, I think, Man I think up, the, I think the screen, the, the invention of these confounded computer screens where people can watch Netflix and everything else, it's sort of, and during COVID, that probably tilted me further away from TV, which I watch sport news on, has been the news programs and sports programs. Have you ever watched MasterChef? It's a yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. I, I, mean, I actually know, not Manga well, but I, I know Matt Preston slightly. Oh, through. he's not there anymore. Believe no, I know, no, I, know, I know he's not yeah. there. I know, I know what happened there, but I know, I know his sister, actually, who was a tennis journo, who I used to see every year. And, um, and uh, yeah, and I've, I've, I've sort of followed the career of, um, of George Columbaris. You know, I, mean, I know these are... You know, from um, Hellenic Republic up, which is not far from where I where I live. Um, yes, yeah, so I've, I've not. I've sort of missed it. I found the competition part of it interesting. I did watch it a few times, but it's not. I, Anna, I've become hooked again this season. Anna. I loved it in COVID, oh. and I, I, it's Sunday just, night was great. It's cooking. just our family fallback. You know, lie on the sofa, eat dinner. You know, when you've all got a night at home, Master Chef. Get I'm, on to I'm it, with Jake. you uh, now, Anna. My the final question is mm. to you. Bay City Rollers lead singer Les McCowan died last month, age sixty five. Was this big news in the Barry household? Oh, yes, Jane, play a few. Oh, bye, Les. Goodbye, and thanks for the memories. <laughs> it was huge news in the Barry household and sad news. Caro and I were mad on the Bay City Rollers. We often in, in a slight tartan-esque, you know, tribute to the rollers, often got dressed up and went into Miss Melbourne, my Miss Melbourne, in our teenage years and had a look around, a look around the Miss shop. So, yes, it was sad. And who can forget Bye Bye Baby performed on Love Actually? Not a dry eye in the house. <laughs>
I'd forgotten that. I just, I'm just sorry. Are you I'm joking? My, my, my head is still spinning from the vision of you a and Caro getting off the tram in your tartan gear. Not full Bay City Rollers, but a little bit of tartan, you know, as was the fashion back there then. There was a bit of that. There was a bit of that at your school too. I know a friend of yours, Amanda Pillman, who was a big, keen Bay City Rollers girl as well. Um, I have loved our chat. And Jake, you are such a champ coming on today. Awesome. Great pleasure, Corrie. And um, I'm not going to talk about following and or swinging oh, on, on Caro's. No, no, not at all. But, coattails, uh, but I'm so happy that you're here. I've loved it, and I hope you'll stay for our footy tipping a little bit later on. Okay. Um, good. That's great. It's only Tuesday, so, you, so you've got. To, uh, you've got. You've got I, I like to, to look at the teams, but <laughs> they don't. It's, they don't. They, the way the teams work now, where they. You know, they to release them the day before, not two days. Before. I know it's very hard they, to put. They made it much harder to just. To tip. Just ask me. I think I got one last week, Anna. It's just been wonderful again having you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Love your company, and thanks to all our podcast uh, listeners. We love you out there. Don't forget to give us five stars if you uh, if the little ratings thing comes up on your podcast app. Not only does it make Carol and I feel really good about ourselves, but it does actually help other people find us. If the more stars then you come to the podcast and the bigger our community grows, the more fun we will all have. Thanks to our podcast supporters, Red Energy and of course, Prince Wine Store. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Don't Shoot Pod, and also we are on Facebook and we tweet. And you can get the show notes delivered to your inbox every week. Just hit the sign up button on Facebooks, and Miss Jane will send you your very own version. If you want to email us with any tips or recommendations or feedback, it is feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. And don't forget our footy chipping competition, which will come up later in the week. And what do we say, guys? Don't shoot the messenger. This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. Isn't it time you called Red Energy on 131 806 and Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world. For all things home design, enjoy Homestyle with me, Shana Blaze. All the ideas and inspiration you need for your home, DIY design projects and expert advice. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series, available from wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.